I heartily endorse this event or product. Ahoy, hoy, everybody, and welcome to Talk to the Audience, where this is always death. I am one of your hosts, Bob Mackey, who is here with me today, as always. Hey, it's Henry Gilbert, and I am ready to make space for an arcade machine. Oh, no, it's actually happening? <laughs> well, we'll, we'll talk about this very soon, but yes. So this is Talk to the Audience, our community podcast. It posts on the last week of the month for people on Patreon, and the first week of the month for people on the free feed. And in this podcast, we talk about the Simpsons news and our news, and we also respond to what's happening on the comment section for the most recent episode episodes that we posted and yes welcome to the month of uh, july i guess or it's about to be july yes. june is over hey say yes. goodbye to june yeah. we had we had time to welcome it last time yeah we're uh, just one month into the summer now it's uh boy this june it's been a weird june but yes good good stuff good uh, things I, yeah things are opening up i believe the state of emergency is over in uh in, in california in california yes. yeah yeah apologies yeah. to everyone else uh, because we we not not henry and i but our country is hoarding all the vaccines and now mm. lots of people don't even want them anymore so we're just yeah. sending them away yeah and then we get to look cool by doing it like see aren't we nice we're sending them away we're helping we're helping these people yes. <laughs> because alabama couldn't help themselves damn it yeah uh, but yeah we had uh we've had a fun month and a lot to uh to talk about as well and there uh you know not as much simpsons news this much month as usual but there were some cool stuff out there no and we are recording this a bit earlier than we normally record talk to the audience so no nothing better happen yeah nothing, nothing better, better happen, happen. Yeah. and if it does we'll just drop it in right here so hopefully nothing happened. Uh, let's go over Simpsons news. So yeah, not a lot happened except uh, that we'll lead off here with uh, one news item. And that is uh, David Silverman and Al Jean did a new interview with Insider talking about the show's changing animation styles and uh, basically commenting on what people say about the opening where it looks kind of stiff and we find out why. And the answer is simply Al Jean saying they didn't give us any money. Yeah. And we were also new at using these tools. So mm -hmm. that is why the opening for the past, uh, let's say, uh, nine, 18, 19 years? Has it been yeah, that long? Uh, what was it, 20? 14. It's 14. Oh, 14. Okay. it's right after the movie. So we're like 13 or 14. Got it. Yeah. I've lost all track of time. <laughs> but yeah, it's that simple. And uh, I mean, these are all facts that I already know, but they explain like, well, here's the what traditional animation is. Here's what digital is. I wish they would have went into more detail about the HD era and what that entailed in terms of the tools they're using and how mm. much of it is hand-drawn. But that is like super nerdo information that they're not willing to talk about in this article you know when i saw this video in my feed at first it didn't show that silverman and gene were interviewed for it so i thought it was just another like the 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 publication was insider uh, and i thought it was just another of those videos like look how the simpsons looks different now but the, then i was impressed that they actually reached out to silverman and gene two top level people who would have answers about this and uh, it was really interesting because they did directly mention you know the marge's head turn thing and how that had become a viral post in the last couple months of just talking about like oh look how marge's head used to do a really cool bit of animation in the old opening and now it just moves slightly 
Yeah, and I feel like now that they're with Disney, they should just reanimate that opening because it was such a missed opportunity. It's one of the most iconic pieces of TV animation, if not the most, that's ever been created. Yeah. To yeah. recreate it in a lesser way felt always felt like a missed opportunity to me. So I, sw- I say, like, at least, or just kickstart it. I'll, I'll pay you five yeah. bucks to recreate the end, the opening uh, in a very nice way. Spend, like, you know, $100 million on it. Get the, make it be a forever kind of opening. I, yeah. What I feel for Silverman, because, like, he, you know, he wants it to look better like he talks about how in the movie uh which we talked a bit about on the we hate movies about it he is trying to get the expressiveness back in there you know he had left and when he came back he's he sees all these new tools and different practices he's like please guys let's get some more expressiveness mm-hmm. and creative uh posing in it and they do when they can but it also is they just have no money yes. like it's just well not no money i'm sure i'm sure most animated series would kill for the simpsons <laughs> budget but the animation team is not getting as much money as oh, uh, yes. let's say writers yeah voice actors executives things Mm -hmm. like that which like they're all getting paid i think the voice actors are getting paid uh underpaid as well Mm -hmm. based on how much money fox and now disney has made off it but their extreme pay uh their pay looks extreme compared to what we know the animators are getting yeah uh, much less yeah oh well and also i was interested to the algene mentions how you know one bit of crunch i never considered was that they were so used to reusing backgrounds or settings right. and all that that when they went to HD, they're like, oh, crap. No, widescreen. They're like, yeah, we can't use any of these anymore. We got to redo everything. Yeah, even for reference. Well, it's like, well, what's on the left and right of, you know, the Android's dungeon or Moe's yeah. or whatever? Because now there's a lot more space to fill. So so it's an interesting video. Folks should look that one up on, uh, on insider.com. Mm-hmm. And our next news item, uh, Mike Reese is saying some very obvious things, at least to me. But sure, I'm, sure. I'm glad they're in print because uh, he's doing a new uh, interview for his podcast. What am I doing here? <laughs> and in this... Which is him and his wife bragging about all the places they go to. Which... Well, from Reese's perspective, if you read his Twitter, it's him saying, my wife drags me everywhere and I hate it. <laughs> so I'm just going to make jokes about it uh, while she is, uh, you know, commenting on the culture of the places. That's funny. That's uh, funny. So uh, Reese says, quote, the show could run forever. And even if The Simpsons gets canceled, five years later, it'll get rebooted or spinoffs. Certainly there would be another movie. We haven't even had a chance to go and come back again. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, as we get older, at a certain point in my life, maybe even in the past five years, I thought, well, yeah, like if Dan Castellaneta dies, then The Simpsons is over. But it's like, no, you dummy. Yes. Like Pinto Colvig died in like 1965. Goofy's still dancing around on the screen. Mm-hmm. This because And because it's owned by Disney, it will outlive all of us and our children. Uh, yeah, you know, I didn't think the old Fox management would let it lie fallow either, but it might even be that they won't even take a break. Like in, I could have seen like Fox goes, oh, all right, you know what? Simpsons canceled. We'll put it on ice for a few years and then boom, a new movie and we'll bring it back. But uh, I I think with Reese, he's got a real good point of like, we never even had a chance to go and be welcome back. Like Family Guy got to go away and then everybody got to be like, whoa, hey, it's back. Or the Flintstones or Rocky and Bullwinkle. Simpsons has never gone away. It's always been there. And I really honestly think, uh, this is a cynical thought of mine, 
but Disney has to be saying a lot of these people that are on the show are in their 70s or approaching their 70s. We need to figure out who's going to be the next Marge. We need to figure out who's going to play Burns. Like, we need to figure out this because Disney does that for all of their characters, and these are now Disney characters. Mm, They've got a list. Yeah. For sure, they've got a list. I mean, when Lucy Taylor died, her understudy was waiting in the wings to play Minnie Mouse. Though that also makes, you know, that was, uh, it's Greg Griffin doing it, and she's great, but she is just, you know, she's not famous. She's um, she's a great voice actor. But do you think that, you know, when the time comes, how, how much say does, you know, Al Jean or Brooks or Graining get over the new Homer and mm. how much input does Disney give on like, well, the new Homer has to be this level of famous yeah. and they have to be like Nick Offerman or some bullshit. They have to cost this much. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I really, I mean, we're going to see it in our lifetimes probably within the next 10 years. Someone uh, will step down or pass away, unfortunately, just how time works. Time, time works. I, I just feeling today we're recording this on the 30th anniversary of Sonic and I just thought like, <laughs> oh, the, the 20th anniversary was, was just yesterday, wasn't it? I mean, <laughs> this is not me like uh, putting a curse on him, but Harry Shearer was a child actor on the Jack Benny show. Okay. Yes, yeah. He's he is uh, approaching old. 80 and, you know, uh, he might not want to be Burns in his 90s if he can mm, live that long. Yeah. I mean, the last, well, you know, the, the current deal is still going. So I think they're going to. He, he quit once before I would bet after the next when it comes to the next negotiation time he might just go like that's mm. uh, I'm good yeah so, 40 years is good enough for me but then again if somebody does say to you hey two hours a week it's 10 weeks a year do it from your home do it from your home we will give you five million dollars like because that's ultimately what their per episode rate works out to i probably would still do it even if i hated the thing i'd be like boy five million dollars that sounds pretty nice i I guess that you could never have too much money once you get enough of it so yeah yeah. add more to the pile well because he's not going to get posthumous residuals from the job so you got to make that pile as big as possible for uh your you know (laughs) descendants you need the fanciest tomb there is to prove that you truly live so yes uh check that out something that made me laugh is that uh i have not heard mike reese's podcast yet but i like this little tag at the end uh what am i doing here with mike reese's available on the Believe Podcast Network now. What? So people, just please stop making podcast networks. Have a Patreon. Have a, have a Patreon, yes, guys. Yes, it's, it's that, that easy. You can buy your own mics, especially if you're Mike Reese, you can buy your mm-hmm. own mics. and Your name is Mike. Uh, self-explanatory. Just find a guy on Fiverr who's like, or ask us, Mike Reese. Yeah. Like, I'll tell you what to buy. When, when we had Mike Reese on, he praised how professional we sounded and then there weren't <laughs> barking dogs in the background. Uh, that was nice. It was the best compliments I've ever yes. received. Uh, of barking dogs <laughs> and yes uh the simpsons arcade we mentioned it up front but the simpsons arcade from 1991 made by konami is getting its own arcade one-up cabinet this year it's 600 dollars and pre-orders start on july 15th along with turtles in time and x-men and what was buried in the lead here or the lead was buried in that simpsons bowling is also on it this will be on there which yeah. is why there's a trackball in case you're wondering <laughs> why is there a trackball that's why that's another I think it's Konami that made it in the late yes, 90s. Yeah, yeah. I, I or think published that, it. I think that shows the only people they uh, worked with on this was Konami for for more of it. Yeah. Well, I guess that they'd have to get some EA permission because EA right. still has the rights to it. But Which is why it's six hundred dollars. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's the sweetest plum. <laughs> you know, these arcade one-up recreations. Uh, I now, Bob. I know. Well, also, I know this opinion already because. Uh, spoilers you might hear a podcast about simpsons arcade mm. in the future Ooh, am i on uh, it yeah but but so i know your opinion on these is just buy a main machine and have yes your, and play simpsons for on there for the for five le- minutes for far takes. less money yes but, but 
I I like that it looks like the old thing. It's a fun recreation. Mm. I heard there it, it's fun that it like clicks and clacks around. And I won't have to worry about a CRT TV anymore. At least like, hack it so it plays more than two games. I, you owe I, it to yourself. I might do that. But yes, I am seriously considering buying it. But Where uh, are you going to put it is not my question. Well, okay. Where it's playable. So uh, this is the other plan that basically it's going to go out of print. I won't be able to just buy it whenever I feel like it. So if I'm going to buy it, I got to buy it now. So my plan is, uh, you know, I'm going to have a little free time myself in the coming month. Were I to throw away things, I boxes I have not opened since I moved, I would have space for a big box mm. of that arcade in my closet in the bedroom. Uh, and so I am going to clean out that closet and make space for my Simpsons arcade I was going to say, you have to, you have to clear out the amount of matter that that uh, machine would take up. Yes. Well, and then the plan is, you know, someday I'm going to move to a bigger place and then take out of the box and have a proper space for it so you're so, gonna hide it from me in the closet uh yes it's the closet case of a Simpsons <laughs> arcade machine uh, but i'll probably not even unpack it but it's just again it's like this is gonna go out of print mm-hmm. it'll if i if i really want it i kind of gotta buy it now well you I, know yes. I, i'm no fun about these things mm-hmm. i i don't uh i think you should just build a main cabinet or have somebody build one for you i, I don't like video game music on vinyl it's cool if you buy it but i just like to have get it on spotify or youtube <laughs> i don't want things taking up space uh, i'm about to do a huge move so that's why i'm thinking about this so well, sorry also, for being a buzzkill if also i wasn't gonna buy the simpsons arcade one i would buy the x-men one mm. like because that was my second favorite konami and is machine. that like extra big too well so our arcade one up had never they'd only done two player up to this point this is their first four player run that's why it's turtles in time and x-men they did not make a six player version of x-men it's only four player right uh, so that's another knock against it. I think there was an alternate version of that in arcades. Oh, yeah. There was a one monitor version of the X-Men game. But but at that point, it's like, ah, come on. I never touched one of those because I was spoiled by the the two monitors and one looking slightly worse than the other. One is actually a mirror (laughs) reflecting the monitor that's uh, pointed up. But uh, but yeah, so July 15th, that's the pre-orders. I wonder how many of our listeners are... are, I saw in the Discord some other folks were like, Mm. I'll pay $600 for this. I'm just glad it's going to be playable uh, for a select few. Yes, it's a yeah. good game. They should just put it on, put it on like marketplaces again too. I mean, come on. If they got a new deal to put it on an arcade machine, I would hope that the door is open potentially for another deal, like uh, to get it back on a uh, marketplace for some reason. Yes. And in other news, we have some potential cease and desist action is happening here. At least I hope <laughs> not. I hope not. But uh, there's in Dallas, Texas, there's been some uh, pop-up shops like uh, based on Moe's and Krusty Burger, and uh, if I was in texas which i won't be going to because they changed their gun laws in ways that frighten me i would check them out yeah no they they do look pretty cool but it's uh this is the wild west of themed entertainment these days of like you know there's the ones out there that work with the people and actually do it like there was the i just saw kevin smith touring america with like hey it's a movies pop-up right. and i'm here meet me but he, <laughs> he owns movies at least i think he does i believe he does yeah so he can do that but but then there's other ones that are like i think there was it was in the news a few years ago about a rick and morty themed place that then adult swim shut down right they're like you can't just do a pickle rick place like, and now there is um the rick and morty wendy's as of yes, this recording that's right which i've seen uh people in la have been tweeting about it too Uh, so it works 
no i mean hey would you would i if i could have just walked into it and seen it would i have gone to the max if i lived in la like probably this all this is related this all reminds me of the website we used to work for and that i thought i was being hired to write about video games for a video game website <laughs> that was not the case i'd be pulled into meetings and you would be too like we're gonna have a game of thrones uh, booth at this convention what kind of food should we serve yeah it's like how does this make money yeah and then this do anything as soon as we left that place uh com the next comic-con happened and i saw them tweet like we've got pickle rick soda just like oh. how do you how is there some ad deal happening behind the scenes like i, I thought this was a website and every time it was a food truck like they yeah we'd go into those meetings and they'd be like all right guys think outside the box what are we gonna do let's hear some crazy ideas and then by the end of the meeting they're like so we can <laughs> get another food truck and just and there's nothing against giving away food yeah. that uh like if they charge for it they might have trouble but they can just give away steven universe or regular show food and it's fine it just i, I don't know how it ever made money uh, i mean it didn't that's no. why the, it was just it was all just a, like a a fake uh set up to sell to somebody else like we we were there we were we were part of the scam yeah. unknowingly but we, we were a real website we made soda uh but that butterfinger shot you know i try that when hmm. i saw that on the uh at the fake mo's in dallas texas <sighs> it sounds they and they better have a purple alcoholic flaming mo's yeah. there you know I, I would be tempted to go there just to just to go to a dank mo's yes. not the not the too bright with children inside universal uh, mo's i can't even stand to walk in it now i'm just mm -hmm. like because well so i know a duff is a sam adams they yeah. just put it on the thing like it's not even a micro brew at the very least i you know at disney they can fake it like they don't tell you well this is just a beer brand you know what it is like they can at least go like no we made our own beer you can wink. see the tap that says sam adams yes yeah <laughs> and uh, sam adams is great but it should be a shittier beer if you're uh you know trying to replicate duff yeah it is like swill to us make that's it, what beer, beer, make, duff is. make it a schlitz yeah or Straub or one of those Midwestern uh, Paps, brands. Perhaps Pabst yeah. is the the king of crappy beers. <laughs> Tecate, get Tecate. Tecate That's is good. the is the Western king of crappy beers. Yeah. Well, I guess that really should be. Were there to be a king of the hill themed one? That's what Alamo mm. should be is Tecate. So, That's true. Yeah. Disney, get on that. Uh, so <laughs> oh, yes, God, they own that too, right? They do. Yeah. yeah. So yep. yeah, if you're in Dallas, Texas, check it out. Maybe send us some pictures. I want to see the inside of Moe's. Yeah. And we're on to more Simpson shoes. Can you believe it was? I think last July. Lie oh that my. uh was it the vans people it was the vans yes. people we got our free simpson shoes i have not worn them yet because there's no <laughs> reason to but i will have a reason soon i'll get to that mm. uh so yeah these are by adidas and uh looking at the uh the link you sent me henry there's one based on Alberto, but a real problem with the font they chose is it's a lowercase a in a graffiti font so it looks like it says Alberto. oh that's great i didn't that didn't I, even hit me because well it has to be lowercase a for the adidas logo uh, right? yeah i think so but you know what i don't think it's intentional i don't uh, think they're going for a board reference i think it's just like well that's hard to read you're right it does look like borto yeah not not uh, bart's best spray paint my graffiti tagging son is also named borto <laughs> uh but i mean it looks like a nice pair of shoes and also um uh definitely cheaper than the van shoes were mm -hmm. like those i think it's like i said well i, should, uh, I know it's a 65 dollars <laughs> shoe because i i bought them uh but i needed a new pair of adidas okay mm. i i wanted i was like you know what i'm getting that i the i wouldn't pay 130 for the squishy or flaming mo branded ones that uh had come out before and there's uh the elusive crusty burger sneaks oh yes yeah those those are the ones that the hunters are going for apparently the el bartos 
clothes. Nobody, the people don't care enough. You know, no, no. I mean, white shoes. You're asking for trouble. That's that's my opinion as a practical no, man. That's true. Look, d- yeah, and design wise, the vans are better. Like all the all the vans they had, not just like the super fancy ones, like the Mister Plow ones, but even just the the slip on ones that are blue and orange. I love those ones so much. I just bought a new pair of just Ooh. that style of shoes. Like, oh, okay. I was gonna say, are they still in print? Uh, no, shoes? The, those shoes are out of print. But I was like, oh, I like that just slip on style mm. of vans like that's why i wore to disney because uh well that story's coming later but yes. they just slip on and off super easy mm-hmm. yeah and we have news about sports how did this end up in the podcast <laughs> well it's because our friend james l brooks who we met he was very nice to us and he smelled nice he is rooting for the la clippers who uh, up until recent history i believe have been notoriously uh, huge losers yes yeah. and uh <laughs> this is a story on heavy.com about his history with the team and that uh he was in L.A. He moved there when he was 25. He followed the Lakers, but he hated them. And then this new team called the Clippers showed up, and he was always there. And you, he said you could hear the balls, echoes <laughs> rebounding off the 300 people in the audience, basically. Yeah. Like, nobody cared about the Clippers. And now, suddenly, people care because apparently they're winning. I like that Brooks has been the only famous fan for the longest time. And now he's like, oh, finally jumping on the bandwagon. Yeah, we've, uh, uh, we've already recorded Tennis the Menace, mm-hmm. which... That has a joke of calling the Simpsons the L.A. Clippers of tennis. And Referring to the Simpsons and their easy beatability. Yes, Sorry, yeah. I stumbled on that. Uh, well, well, so on that podcast, I say, well, the Clippers have never won an NBA championship. And um, I, from what <laughs> I've seen, most of the odds makers still don't think they're going to. But I do feel like we are cursed to be proven wrong on a thing once we've recorded it. So yes. I think they might just win. And we've, James L. Brooks should thank us for that. We've cemented it. Yeah. Uh, yes. So uh, hats off to you, James L. Brooks. Hope it happens for you, buddy. Mm-hmm. They better invite him to the parade because they're like you've you've been <laughs> the only famous fan for such a long time he should be like the drum marshal leading the parade down the street <laughs> this this 80 year old man 80 year old billionaire yes uh so let's move on to the final news item in sadder news uh, but i think it's uh, actually it's happy i think that uh, yeah. conan o'brien is ending his late night show this week and uh, i'm happy that i at least got to go to one conan taping it wasn't the hour-long show yeah. that i liked as a kid and as a teen and a person in the early 20s but yes the tv CBS show, correct? The half hour show yes, yeah. is ending. And you know what? I think Conan uh, has evolved beyond that format. And I never liked that format. I only like the people that managed to break it. And that's mm-hmm. why I like Conan and Letterman and people like that. Like, yeah. he does not belong there anymore. I miss, I also miss when he used to wear suits. When he went to 30 minutes, he was like, I'm wearing a leather jacket now. Yeah. I like, fuck this. I'm, I was like, okay, le- leather jacket. We got to see it. We got to meet Conan backstage. It was very nice. That was a, an amazing amazing gift for my husband yes. to, to all of us thanks again to him yeah. uh, for that amazing one of a time experience there there's been some fun well it's this it's been this weird mix of the last couple weeks where conan and other people have gotten to have back uh their audiences for their late night shows in person so you have all this energy of like yay audiences are back and then it is feeling of like well not for much longer in a week i'm done and then <laughs> yeah. I, go, I go to hbo max at some indeterminate time yeah i wonder what he's gonna do but i'm sure it'll be fun it's some sort of variety show yeah i'm just gonna uh, tell him stay out of podcasting buddy uh, it's uh no he's he's one of the most successful now Uh, it's very unfortunate Uh, it's just that easy no i know it's fine it's fine conan is allowed to be successful wherever he goes and he he is a good interviewer like it's funny to listen to it's not like he is uh the like the uh, one of those low effort celeb Mm -hmm. podcasts but what i'm saying is it's unfair that he's that talented and funny oh yeah it's not fair that one man was given all that talent he's already tall yes (laughs) 
what more do you want there have been some fun final bits on conan andy daly did a really good one if i direct people to it and uh they just that we haven't seen the final episode at the time we're recording this but this week they had on the final uh, appearance of paul rudd and it's what you think yes it is it is worth watching excellent yes, yes i did see a clip of that so yes hats off to conan as well lots yeah. of hats are coming off in this episode <laughs> Hello, everybody. We're talking to you from after the original Talk to the Audience recording because we care. Yes, yeah. And we we have now seen the final episode of Conan on TBS. Uh, and because there's no way we could have this go out with us saying like, well, I guess it was like, you know, the last episode of Conan. We haven't seen it yet. When The Simpsons is a key part of the last episode of Conan. Mm-hmm. And uh, in that last episode, there was a uh, two-minute segment with uh, Homer basically giving Conan his exit interview and they make the references you think they would make yeah it's really cute it sounded like uh, it came in you know uh david silverman storyboarded it and directed it i would bet al Jean had a hand in writing it because uh, i know al Jean on twitter had said that he was at the audience for the final episode as well so i have a feeling he did it you know it's a favor to his old mm-hmm. to his old keg meister you know <laughs> yeah, yeah and uh I, one thing is that they did change the caricature because the last time he was on the show was 1993 nearly 30 years ago yeah so uh, he does look a little different i i wish they would have made his head bigger because you need yeah. a big fat irish head for conan which he references that and his freckles but they're not on the character design no i was really a little disappointed that he had no freckles on his character design and same with uh you know he describes that he jokingly describes his head now as a rotting pumpkin (laughs) so his head and yet his cartoon head is shrunk since 1995 (laughs) and apparently this was all done very quickly by uh david silverman i mean not the whole thing of course but he was the guy who boarded and directed this little segment yeah i I saw gene thank uh at Tubatron on tri- Twitter saying like uh, fantastic animation in an incredibly limited time to get it ready for the final episode like I would bet I would bet uh, they had under a month for that honestly <laughs> and uh, Homer does sound a little old I yeah. will say he, uh, he will forever yeah but, but- I, I do like that Homer points out like, oh, this is your third show. Yeah. So, I mean, when Conan says goodbye on HBO Max and he's like 70, I don't even know if I'm going to tune in by the time. <laughs> like, he's like, all right, yeah. this is number four, Conan. Please retire. I did have a good laugh at Homer going like, of your third show. And also the 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 goofy, I was waiting for something to uh, the monorail episode. If you're going to mention any Conan episode. I also liked afterwards, Conan said, you know, I want to give a leg up to these guys on this, this show, Simpsons. You maybe haven't heard of it. Uh, I mean... Uh, he probably was having a pretty good laugh at that despite having a 28 year career in yeah. late night the simpsons was there when he started and it still is going and, and will go on for years after. every person asked him about it including us when yes, we met him yeah. no i i joked on twitter that uh, now conan can go back to writing every single episode of the simpsons mm-hmm. from now on <laughs> but uh but yes yeah, so we just wanted to get in a little a little brief review of the new simpsons animation they did for conan as part of his a lovable farewell. Uh, so now on to news about us. Uh, before we talk about our big month of July, it's going to be fun. I have personal news about me. Whoa. Something is finally happening. <laughs> and Henry, I'll have to ask you in the edit to drop in a certain song here. Uh, drop in O Canada in the mix because I am heading to Canada, friends, for an entire month 
because I had been separated because of border things from my wife for six months. Previously, it had been nine months before I got to see her. So hopefully after this, things will be much smoother. But yes, because I am an immediate family member, we are married, I can get into Canada with a COVID test that's negative taken in the last 72 hours. And I don't have to quarantine when I get there. Yay. Oh, yes. Yay. And I've been here in America since January 6th. That's when I flew back on the most memorable day in U.S. Yes, history. Yeah, what a wonderful... You, your plane took off as yes. people were storming the Capitol. People were like, yeah, good luck coming home, buddy. Yeah, it's yeah. like, I already feel bad enough. <laughs> Uh, but yes, I did want to say this because uh, I did want to thank all of our patrons and you know people that support us because without your support, we could not have these weird schedules where we can work months in advance and buy me a whole month to just do nothing uh, because we have so many. We've, we've been recording things for like September and I think one thing for October and yes, we've got like yeah. I think almost all of August done. Like we are so far ahead and we're going to be spending the next few weeks before I leave uh, for a month to wrap up some things that we'll be posting while I'm gone. But you will not miss any podcast because I'm gone and I'm sure I'll be tweeting a lot from Canada and hanging out a lot uh, with Nina and we're going to be having lots of fun and uh, yeah cannot wait for that so it's finally happening yeah. I'm very excited I thought it would never happen it, it only happened a few days ago because it was like yes. what, the 20th every week or every month they would just say nope not opening and, and and even at first like when I saw the news I was like oh wait it says it's still closed that's when I saw the exceptions and was and was so yes. happy for you guys yeah. so not everybody I think it's immediate family members with a test but previously if you didn't hear the past podcast uh, when I went there I had to quarantine for four days in a uh, small apartment and we famously got along there were no fights or tension or anything but i never want to do that again <laughs> i did it once and i never want to do it again so now as soon as i get there i'm free and we're both free to like, have fun in the summertime so it's going to be great well and then when you went that was right before they changed the rule of like yes. well, n- now you have to do it alone in a hotel room that you pay for yeah they too. like yeah. literally in the last week that i was there i believe they're like here are all these new restrictions we let bob mackie in this cannot happen again <laughs> Uh, no, I, I, I just want to say I, I'm really happy for you guys. Mm. It's finally opened back up uh, to a degree. Uh, and also, you know, you you and I have been now in the fully, we can't be more vaccinated currently. Yes. And, and we've been that way for, for over a month now. So uh, it's yeah, really great. Yeah, I think great. Uh, today I've been fully vaccinated for an entire month. Nice, uh, nice. Not just fully vaccinated, but like the vaccine did its two-week course and then I'm I'm Superman. Indestructible. Yeah, yes, yeah. yeah me. May 1st was it for me and so and it's been really nice again to like buy movie tickets and, yeah. and uh, I reinstalled the Fandango app and I felt a certain way I was like oh this this feels nice I hate this I hate <laughs> that reinstalling Fandango made me feel good I can't but, wait to use this shitty app all over yeah. again but yeah I'm say I'm uh, right now I'm buckling down on you know all of the podcasting I've been doing and uh, saving all my outside fun for when I go to Canada and going to like bars and drinking and you know restaurants you know outside people aren't as vaccinated in Canada of course we'll have to be a little more careful uh, my wife is not fully vaccinated yet that might change before I go who knows but yes it's going to be lots of fun and thanks to everyone for supporting the podcast network this is our full-time job if it wasn't we couldn't work that far ahead and mm-hmm. because it is we can work way into the future until the point where uh, lots of things we say on podcasts are proven wrong yes yeah and people yeah. die <laughs> uh we we haven't had a death yet no no we'll uh, or i mean recently we haven't had one <laughs> uh with this we everybody knows we had a real spade of them there but uh, yeah <laughs>
So yes, on to the What A Cartoon schedule for July. Now, we announced this, I believe, in the end of April, but this is oh, going to yeah. be the first month of our new What A Cartoon schedule in which there will be uh, two new What A Cartoon episodes every month and also the movie episode along with that. And because mm-hmm. of that, uh, we can go over the schedule now. And the first episode we'll be doing is we'll be hitting Future Boy Conan and we're kicking off our new schedule with some great guests. So, oh, yeah. uh, yes. Go ahead, Henry. Oh, yes. Yeah. So uh, we have back on ian jones cordy and rebecca sugar Mm -hmm. the creator of steven universe and the creator of okko uh we haven't had rebecca sugar on since 2018 when we did poochie uh, in person yeah great great times uh and you know rebecca doesn't do a lot of podcasts but doing future boy conan was so important to her like it is you got to hear it already bob just how much ian and rebecca love that Mm -hmm. series and it's one of the most important japanese animated series ever but is virtually unknown to most americans like i didn't watch it until uh ian jones Cordy <laughs> told me himself watch it but uh yeah so we're doing the second episode it's called the journey and look sometimes it's on youtube if you search yeah. for episode two sometimes it's in other places uh or you could buy the 400 hundred dollar blu-ray from japan you know but if it means you won't be a patron anymore don't do that yeah don't don't do that but, but yes yeah. uh, that's gonna be the first episode to kick off our new schedule and then the second episode of what a cartoon for the month of july is going to be the gumby short moon trip that was a patron request but the episode was chosen by me because it's weird as hell early so gumby weird. is so weird <laughs> we go into the history of gumby the very strange history of its creator and it was a very very fun episode to do oh yeah gumby is one of the weirdest things ever but also like corny as hell yeah like, it's such a it's corny <laughs> and also nightmarish at the same yes, time yeah and art cloaky lived such an interesting life like i could not believe it. yes uh, <laughs> yeah. it's going to be a fun one to listen to and also finally the movie for july is going to be a bob mackie favorite the hunchback of notre dame so uh, we're in the history, sorry, we're in the summer of the Disney Renaissance. So we previously, we did Hercules and now we're moving on to Hunchback of Notre Dame. We had a yes, no vote. You guys voted yes. And it is the 25th anniversary of this film, the dark Disney Renaissance mm. movie that frankly could be darker, but I like how far it goes. Mm, yeah. Some people will complain about the, the gargoyles, mm-hmm. you know, but uh, yeah. The, One of them is basically Duckman. What he, are you talking about? It's he just great. is Duckman yeah. who, uh, who but I think his want to have sex with goats is equal to Duckman. Oh, that's I'd true. Say. He is a pervert yeah. too. Yeah. The, I was just rewatching it on a, on a trip and I was like, wow, man, all these songs are great mm-hmm. like this. It's better than Hercules. Yes. For, for sure. Well, I, not that we hated Hercules, no. but I, I yeah. think it blows Hercules out of the water. Yes. I, I also enjoy Hercules to a point mm-hmm, which you'll hear all about at the end of this month but yes that's the hunchback of Notre Dame uh, not the blunchback of bloat your blame no or not know. the critic uh, parody hunch yes yeah <laughs> which I feel like they knew this cartoon was that movie was coming and they were mocking their fellow Disney people <laughs> there's a joke on the commentary that somebody got designs from Disney because ah. they knew an animator so they were kind of ripping off uh, Disney stuff in production at the time that's funny now you listeners are probably saying out there hey guys that 
there are four Mondays in uh, July. You name three podcasts. Well, this is part of our new schedule, too. The second Monday of every month is going to be where Talking Futurama goes. Now, previously, it was the last, I believe, Friday of the month. Mm -hmm. And now it's going to be the second Monday of every month from now until the end of time. So, yes, you will get a Talking Futurama on that Monday. In that Monday, what a cartoon slot if you are a $5 and up patron. Mm -hmm. We are still going through season three, and we are having a lot of fun doing it. And, yeah, I, I we had said it before, but I... You know, it was really jamming up uh, three times during the mini series where it's like, oh, we have a King of the Hill. And then yeah. the very next day, Futurama, I was like, how many people can listen to that in, in a 24 hour time span? I, yeah, I think so. in one, like one span of one week, it's like Talking Simpsons, What a Cartoon, Talking of the Hill, Talking Futurama, and then the movie because it was at the end of the month. Yes. Yep. Yeah. So. In a seven day span, I think it was like uh, 13, 14 hours of, of audio brand new, which, hey, you get your money's worth here guys mm -hmm. but yeah yeah from now on again it'll be uh two out of cartoons a month and also the movie on top of that and uh talking futurama if you're a five dollar and up patron that is what's going in all those monday slots and i do think you know that lighter schedule uh, slightly lighter schedule for it uh gave us opportunities to you know really focus on on working around big guests we have mm -hmm. other guests coming in the future too like i i hope you guys enjoy the future boy conan one with with ian and rebecca because it's uh i it shows you like we we're gonna be working still yeah. big time on on what a cartoon yeah. yeah i was actually looking at old notes and it did strike me uh, these are the notes of someone who was making too many podcasts because now <laughs> my notes are much longer yeah some of my old notes are kind of rushed because it's like i have to i have three podcasts to record and four more to prep for so now we can uh, focus more on individual podcasts it's been a lot of fun for us and uh, very rewarding too mm -hmm. so we have another poll coming up for the august what a cartoon movie again this is part of the disney renaissance summer this is the final month of the summer series of podcasts about Disney movies from the 90s and we've got some big ones that surprisingly our audience has not voted for yet yeah I am so, it, so confused I, I think it just proves that people are maybe four to eight years younger than us usually on the so. whole yeah yeah but <laughs> these movies are going to be uh the little mermaid beauty and the beast the lion king and pocahontas and yes you you'll have your choice of those to vote for if you are a five dollar and up patron and that will be our subject matter for the month of august closing out our disney renaissance summer for what a cartoon movie yeah the reason we picked those is because they are if you were to go in chronological order of the official disney renaissance that begins with the little mermaid those are the first four we've already covered aladdin so that's why mm -hmm. we are skipping that one and uh, putting pocahontas at the end and yeah i mean you pick any of them it's a great list uh i'm not the biggest fan of pocahontas but i no. also i haven't watched it in full since i saw it in theaters wow. when i was 13 i so. think it was on tape for me the first and only time i saw it but yeah i think when we started what a cartoon movie we were like let's not do the easy choices but now i really want to do these because yes. it's like i haven't seriously reevaluated these since i was like a teen or a kid oh man and watching like uh hercules and a hunchback now i'm just so appreciating the character animation on mm. a whole new level like we we were just so spoiled by it like oh i guess these are like good animators at disney when it's like no these are like master classes in character animation and nobody can do this ever again oh just the way the the way 
Quasimodo moves. Like mm-hmm. his little like stutter step is so amazing. It's, like, a, it's, it's so subtle. Incredibly difficult character to animate. To animate yeah. And uh, I can't wait to talk about that movie. But yes, that is it for uh, news about the network. As for news about us, we usually talk in the section about you know the media we've been engaging with that we necessarily aren't podcasting about, except we're doing it now. <laughs> and uh, in terms of games, uh, last month I finished the Dragon Quest Eleven epilogues, like making it that I played 150 hours of Dragon Quest. This month, I finished Yakuza Like a Dragon at 100 hours, and I was ready to step away, even though the game was like, there's a new dungeon for you, and I'm like, delete, delete, delete. Yeah, no, that, I mean, that new dungeon is crazy huge, and it's also, well, I think I was tempted, because I was so close to platinuming it, or getting all 1,000 achievements, I should say. But that final dungeon's like, you have to be 99 to get yeah. in here. I was like, well, I am not doing I that. I ended at 70, and I was like, I've had enough leveling. It's good. <laughs> it's a good podcast uh, fodder, you know, just to level up in that game, go through the dungeons and the uh, the arena stuff. How but, much did you play, like, the mini games, like the kart racer and the gambling stuff? Uh, like? I mainly stuck to the kart racer. I never engaged with the property sim. Oh, man, um, I played the crap out I of I just that. was so bad at it at first, and I <laughs> didn't want to invest the time in getting good at it or learning how it worked. Now, Mahjong? didn't touch no. that didn't uh well one of these days maybe i'll learn and same with the hanafuda game it's just like i i don't know how to play these and the game is not good at teaching you no, how to no. play it's them. like well you're japanese right you shouldn't know how to play this like yeah. no and so the like the localizers i feel for those localizers they have to just throw like five walls of text in front of you like well you clicked on somebody who plays Han- uh plays hanafuda so all right here's how you do it here's that is like well okay no thank you it is like the troy mcclure tape and how to fix your drywall yes yeah. hand me my patching trowel uh, boy <laughs> uh, other things i've been playing uh i replayed ace attorney 3 for the first time uh i played it way back when it came out uh spoilers i'm doing an ace attorney podcast for retronauts that's the best game in the series very happy to replay it, very rewarding and also i'm getting ready for the english release of the great ace attorney games coming out on switch ps4 and pc uh in mid or late July, so I'm really looking forward Harlock to that. Jones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'm. I'm can't again. I can't believe those are coming out. I think in a world without a pandemic shutting down new game development for that long, I wonder if it ever if it would have. But I, I think it was an easy choice because it's like we can localize a game instead of making a new one. Mm-hmm. Uh, go, 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 do it. Uh, man, though I read uh, a Polygon interview with one of the localizer translators for the uh, the Great Ace Attorney and previous mm-hmm. Ace Attorneys it's amazing like you i learned so much of like no this is how do you take a thing that's all in japanese that has many japanese cultural specifics and like puns and all this then change it but still keep the core mechanics the same while also being funny here they do a lot of work yeah it's like every character's name is a joke now translate the joke and also make it a real name yep. can you do yeah. that <laughs> also uh i think it was for post e3 stuff but the switch had a ton of games on sale oh yeah a yeah. lot of first party games which never go on sale or rarely go on sale so uh, frankly i bought too many games and then i found out i was going to canada so i was like aha i bought these for a reason because <laughs> nina still has to do some work while i'm there so mm. last time i was there 
I just played like 60 hours of Dark Souls. This time I'll play a game I haven't played before as a, as a fun change. <laughs> as as is drawn away, you're picking away at uh, Pikmin. Oh, yes, yeah. uh, <laughs> I got Pikmin 3 and also pre-ordering uh, Mario Golf, which comes oh, out yes. on the 25th, which is already out by the time you listen to this, and I can't wait to play more Mario Golf. And I uh, last time it came out, I think I reviewed it for the 3DS. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I am tempted to get it. I've skipped the last couple golf games because I they didn't have RPG elements. They never will. Th- this one sort of does. It's, it's got like a story mode. It's going to be disappointing. That's all I'm going to say. That's okay. just my prediction. But I do want a, a golf game for my Switch that's not Golf Story, which I've already played too much of. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I, yeah, I, I played so much Golf Story and What the Golf, which isn't really a golf game. That's but, a really good game. Yeah, it is great. And so, yeah, lots of Switch stuff uh, for the future here. And uh, because I just played like two 100-hour games back-to-back, I, I started playing Hyper Light Drifter from like five years ago. It's it's a tidy <laughs> like eight to ten hours, and I'm having fun. Like I can actually progress in a game. I can sit down with a game and not and beat more than one percent of it. So mm-hmm. it's very satisfying. So as for watching stuff, this is very brief. Uh, finished Castlevania season four. I'm way behind everybody on this. I know, but yes, good. I'm glad there will be more of it. I'm glad that Perbo will not be associated with it anymore. Oh, Interested yeah. to see where it's going <laughs> from here because they did wrap up the story, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, uh, man, I didn't. I didn't watch season three. I, I only oh. watched one and two. I, I'm behind on People it. don't like three. Them. I like three and four is also good. I think that's why I didn't watch three when three, because two has a, two feels like the end. Yeah. And so it, it made, and then when I heard three wasn't as good from, from some folks, not from you, I was like, ah, maybe I don't make time for it. Yeah. It's good. I, I recommend it. Also, uh, Nina and I are watching, continuing to watch the Parasite Parasite with a Y anime series based on the manga from the late 80s, early 90s. It's uh, They make some changes, but I do like it. it I recommend it. It's on Netflix in America and Canada. And also, I joined the gym again because the gym opened at the end of uh, May, I believe. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so now I'm going to the gym three days a week. And because of that, I am back on my One Piece horse watching uh, two episodes every time I go to the gym. And I'm just cruising through it because, <laughs> uh, I mean, there are like 800 episodes now. And I'm only on like episode 180. But still, mm-hmm. I, can, I can get through six weeks of One Piece in a uh, week of working out. So I, I recommend like very slow paced an- uh, shonen anime shows when you're working out because uh, nothing happens and you don't miss anything. <laughs> but you can't go anywhere. Uh, so it's it's not it's not a problem. And it's all about working towards a goal very yeah. gradually just like uh, being in the gym mm-hmm. yeah uh so every week i watch a movie with nina i can go over the movies i watch real quick here even though this is not a movie podcast so yes <laughs> i finally have seen speed racer the wachowski speed racer it is good mm-hmm. it's very fun to watch i will say it's also 40 minutes too long oh yeah but yes. they are being very self-indulgent and it's fun so uh, yeah. uh, it should be like an 86 minute movie, but it's a, it's an hour and 40, I think. I'm glad for them that they could be that self-indulgent and ridiculous. Yeah. Like after, especially after the two Matrix uh, sequels that everybody hated that they're still like, nah, you make something silly. Mm-hmm. Like uh, I, I don't like uh, Spritel in the movie, but I don't think anyone's ever supposed to like Spritel in any form. You're never supposed no. to. Whoever likes Spritel. Yeah, I, I, like. I think it's child abuse to make a child play Spritel. Oh, yeah. Can you play the true. hated child, the hated little <laughs> fat child who eats candy all the time? Uh, if they ever do another one, Spritel is just CGI. Mm-hmm. That's all. Or, or an adult who gets shrunk down. <laughs> so for the first time since I watched it on tape as a kid, 
I watched Thelma and Louise because uh, our wedding rings have uh, the phrase good waffles on them, <laughs> which is a reference to the Simpsons parody of Thelma and Louise. So I was like, you know, I haven't seen Thelma and Louise since I was a kid. And I wonder if it's good. Now it is good. Mm-hmm. Like uh, every every 15 years, Ridley Scott makes a good movie. That was one of them. <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah, so uh, it's worth watching. Uh, I will say the Simpsons parody. They parody the beginning and the ending. Mm-hmm. There is no scene like the good waffle scene in the entire movie. <laughs> Nobody watched the middle of that movie. No. I guess there's uh, well, there's no Brad Pitt equivalent in that episode, is there? The... No, they don't meet a uh, unless it's like the weird David Merkin stuff. No, wait, that's a parody of the beginning of the movie when yeah, with that yeah. dirtbag. So yes, there's no Brad Pitt style man that they meet in the Simpsons uh, parody. I think it must have hit some sort of anniversary because I was seeing Susan Sarandon tweet out like mm-hmm. pictures of her with Gina Davis like celebrating it. It's the 30th yeah. anniversary of Thelma Louise. Right, right. Uh, also watched the classic Japanese movie about uh, ramen tempopo, which was very good. I will yeah. say a uh, slight trigger warning for animal cruelty or abuse in that uh, it's a movie about, you know, making food. They do slaughter an animal on the screen oh. that is used in the making of certain ramen dishes. The second it shows up, you know that animal is going to be killed. Okay. I just don't like to see an animal being killed. So. No, yeah. I, um, it's pretty rare to see it in a movie. I mean, even um, for all the uh, wild stuff you see in the movie Old Boy, I did get un- most uncomfortable watching him eat that octopus because mm. it's like, well, no, that's a real octopus. Yeah. Eating, which is like, I don't know. If he if he ate a dead octopus like I've done more than once, it's like that wouldn't have bothered me for some reason, but watching him eat a live one. The, the thing they killed, I hope they at least cooked it. It wasn't just killed. <laughs> like, let's get footage of an animal being slaughtered. So, yes, I know things are slaughtered to make food. I'm a huge baby, but I didn't want to see it. Uh-huh. But it, it was a good movie outside of that. Mm-hmm. I'm, I just am touchy about that. And finally, I, I uh, doing research about Ace Attorney, I learned a lot of it is inspired by Columbo, the Columbo series of, you know, movies and TV specials. So finally, I watched a Columbo made-for-TV movie. I was recommended to watch the second TV movie first, which is called Ransom for a Dead Man, and I loved it. I think I'll watch more Columbo. Nina wasn't as hot on it as I was (laughs) because with Columbo, they show you the murderer up front. That's what the cold open is. Like, here's here's the murderer. Here's what they're doing. The rest of it is him wheedling them away, taking away their alibis and being very, you know, nonchalant about it. That's the fun of it. I did enjoy that part of it. And he's a fun character to watch. So for whatever reason, uh, during uh, quarantine, during lockdown, people were getting into Columbo. I didn't know why. There was a big return to Columbo. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, uh, it, I've been seeing ever uh, like for years now, it and Murder, She Wrote, people talk up a lot of like, oh boy, that's now on Netflix. I'm going to just watch this all day. And it is it is TV comfort food. Mm-hmm. It's, it's funny that it uh, both those shows have so much more um, staying power than like Magnum P.I. or or MacGyver or whatever, like uh, shows that were on at the same time as that. I, meanwhile, I'd watch every episode of original Law and Order if I could. And then Peacock only has like, it starts at season 14, which it's a good it's still a good show even there and uh, but uh, like give me the original season why would they not why would they hold back i don't know i've i looked i haven't looked in a while but i remember looking on reddit forums of like trying to figure out how why it's so unavailable <laughs> that's weird yeah uh but yeah that's it for me in terms of entertainment and uh believe me i'll be watching lots of movies and tv shows and playing lots of games when i go to canada mm-hmm. you'll be hearing about that on the next talk to the audience which i will be recording from yeah. canada you'll you'll see if you guys can notice bob 
Bob has a slot like five percent <laughs> more of an accent, uh, Vancouver accent when he's on. I'll be day. dubbing some anime very cheaply uh, along there. Sorry, I'm so like, uh, no, okay, hey, <laughs> hey uh, for me, uh, let's start with what I've been playing. Uh, so I have been playing that Mass Effect trilogy. I, uh, so I have something to admit, I never really played Mass Effect when I was in the games press because in my office, everybody played Mass Effect. I would have just been part of the crowd and oppositely I could play the games no one else was playing and develop a niche and uh, which was more helpful to me professionally. And also I didn't like playing a game everybody else was playing. If you, if enough people tell me, no, seriously, it's the greatest game, it makes me less likely to touch it. I'm a jerk like that, that too. Yeah, I know. I, but I did play Mass Effect 1 and 2. By the time I got the 3, I was like, I've had enough. It's fine. Well, that was, so I did play number 1 in 07 uh, before I got into the Games Press. But I only played like seven hours of it, and then I was like, I don't want. It. I just bounced off it. Did you ever get uh, out of the Citadel? Uh, no. That once I finished the Citadel, I was like, because eh, eh. the Citadel is the best part. Yeah, I think. yeah, yeah. I still it's the most RPG like the shooting. stuff. Yeah, it's true. The, the shooting mechanic it just wasn't for me. Oh, and it crashed on me. That was another thing. That happens a lot. Uh, so now I just sped through one, and then me and my husband are playing two together, and I really loved it. I was like, oh, I get why everybody loves this game. There's great. I still don't care for how it plays because i'm like if i if i want to play a good cover base shooter i'll play a gears game this is not anywhere close to as good as that but the characters and the dialogue and the choices and all that like i hate to sound so predictable like what everybody's been saying for over a decade now but it's true that, except for mass effect 3 so i am in the first act of mass effect 3 still i am I, and i am enjoying it but i also because I was in the games press when it happened, I know everything that the ending is and why people hate it. Yeah, so, yeah. like uh, when I first got to the Bay Area to work at One Up, it was around the time that game was coming out, maybe a year later, and I was part. I was part of the conversation about uh, <laughs> should people, you know, get a good ending for their money? Does it matter? Et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, so I, yeah. I was part of that. But I've been enjoying it so far, playing that legendary edition of the Mass Effect trilogy and getting uh, getting achievements. The achievement bug is back for me. I dropped it entirely mm. for the xbox one generation but this time i'm like uh when i got an achievement in yaksa like a dragon uh the first time i was like oh okay i'm back on this <laughs> i'm i'm only playing sony exclusives on my ps5 i'm not touching it for any other reason so you have two games to play <laughs> yeah, uh, three I, I, three yeah. there's three now there's returnal there's demon souls and ratchet and clank uh also the spot oh wait that's not exclusive that's on ps4 <laughs> okay well then yes yeah so i've beaten only one of those uh and i haven't touched ratchet and clank yet i've heard good things me too but, yeah. me too uh, I heard the plants don't move when you walk past them. Uh, man, why even bother? You're on the PS5 and you can't yeah. move the plants. But what I did play on the PS5 this month was Final Fantasy Origin Demos, mm. uh, Paradise of Strangers. I got to try whatever. that. I know those guys, they really don't like chaos. The man, they, I killed chaos. <laughs> I played it until I could finally kill chaos. It's a pretty good Souls game. Oh, it's a Souls I, game? It is okay. a Souls game, yeah. Team Ninja? Uh, it's Team Ninja making a Souls game, which I guess they did Neo, right? So this is e like... I think so. This is the Neo team making a Final Fantasy 1, except uh, you have two AI compatriots with you, and it's a bit nicer in general, but uh, and then at the end of it, you fight um, the villain of, of Final Fantasy 1, and it's sort of kind of remake of the Warriors of hmm. Light okay. uh, Final Fantasy 1. But it was a good little demo, uh, and it, it, it extremely Nomura as well. Yes. 
Uh, they got to do something <laughs> with that guy. And I've barely touched it so far, but I did really enjoy the first dungeon of Shin Megami Tensei Nocturne uh, Featuring HD. Dante from Devil May Cry? Featuring Dante from oh, the Devil May it? Cry series. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> now with funky mode. Uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, it, it's fun uh, to hear the full voice acting in it. But, All right. But there are bits in it. And I can't bring myself to go to the new casual mode. I'm like, no, I have mm. to play this in the old difficulty. And I, I know I'm going to regret it. I know. But the message board joke from 2003 was, yes, I, I played until the first boss killed me. And then <laughs> I, I turned it off forever. Uh, the Matador. I it, even know his name. It's funny, too, because Mass Effect 3, I seriously don't give a crap about shooting anybody and i put it on narrative difficulty because i'm like i don't care about the shooting i just want the story but meanwhile i am forcing myself with smt3 i'm like no i have to play the real difficulty uh and yeah yeah also e3 happened yeah. uh, we're, we're games men so uh, it was fun watching all the e3 stuff though e3 was happening as i did another thing uh but i did oh, watch yeah i did watch the nintendo one fully and that was xboxes was actually pretty good nintendo but, one i was like folding laundry and it's like i don't need to look at the tv that much for this one <laughs> yeah well there was some good stuff in there i mean especially advance wars yeah, remake. yeah. i'm very excited about that and I'm not a Metroid guy, but I am. I think Dread looks neat. And uh, yeah. it was better than uh, uh, that A.G. Numa thing from the last Nintendo Direct. It's like now normally we would show you, uh, we wouldn't show you Zelda footage, and this day will be no different. Yeah. <laughs> I felt like at the end of this one, he posed it similarly. Yeah. Of like, yep, I'm here to not show you. Like, ah, I'm just kidding, but. But it's still just called the sequel to Breath of the Wild. Yeah, they said that <laughs> revealing the title would reveal too much about the game and the premise. So uh, yeah, they like thinking like I, that. I think yeah. spring 2022. It's going to be on the fifth anniversary of the Switch coming out. Oh yeah, that'd be good. Holy crap! Yep. Man. And and that Elden Ring looked pretty sweet. It did. Yeah, but that I'll play it. But it's not. <laughs> it's not even a next gen game. That's true. Well, nothing is. No, I mean, no. Nobody can buy a PS5, so why would you make an exclusive PS5 game? It's yeah. And and a shout out to our pals uh like Alex Navarro at his new place Next Lander, uh, as well as Matt McMuscles, because I really enjoyed both of their watch E3 with them coverages. Those, yeah. those were a lot of fun. Uh Next Lander really exploded oh, upon yeah. hitting Patreon. How long ago was that? Uh it was the week before E3, like days uh, before E3. What yeah. a great Patreon launch. As somebody who has been on Patreon for a long time now, I think seven years, whenever someone screws up, it hurts because <laughs> I think you could have asked me. You could yes. have asked anybody, but th they didn't screw anything up. It's great. And they, they have so much experience. Great. I didn't expect it, of course, but no. I'm glad to see it went off without a hitch. Oh, yeah. They are they they are close to the highest games Patreon now, mm. I think. Or uh, Well, there might be some people I've never heard of that they are not ahead of, but they have, they're over 12,000 uh, patrons. Uh, but yes, uh, and then as for movies and uh, TV shows, uh, well, so I have been streaming it up a lot on uh, Paramount Plus. I've been watching all Moonbeam City Scott right. Gardner show. It's I'm fun. Glad, I'm glad it's somewhere. Finally, people can watch it. Uh, it was too good for this world. I feel very bad for Scott Gardner that a show that funny got advertised in a way that everybody thought it was just an Archer ripoff and nobody watched it. it uh, it's way, way funnier than that. 
and also watching the show Detroiters because, you know, I want to be done with it before I think you should leave mm-hmm. season two starts, which is really soon. That's uh, Robinson was there after SNL, right? Uh, Tim Robinson. Uh, yeah. And Sam Richardson. Uh, both of them are just so funny together on Detroiters. I prefer his sketch show because it's just like Detroiters still is a pretend sitcom, even though it's ridiculous. I think you should leave is just like, uh, uh, like here is the funniest uh, thing we can do with this in a three minute sketch. And just like smash, smash is funny. I can't wait for that. And, uh, I've also almost done with season one of Invincible. Hmm. The uh, the forty four it's it's eight episodes, but they are double length. There, it's a forty four minute show, and uh, that was like a Robert Kirkman comic oh, book, yeah, right? Yeah, which that's the interesting thing for it because I read all of that comic. The comic ended a few years ago, and I read it in its entirety, but I don't have it like fully memorized. So when I'm watching it with my husband, he's like, "Was this a comic story?" I was like, "Yeah, but they kind of changed it, or this happened in issue forty, but this is happening right after a thing that hmm. happened in issue." like eight but uh i i really like it it's uh it's very well animated and now you know all the memes it's getting memed enough that's how i know it's, it's oh me- yeah i've seen the memes and that made me think should i watch this so maybe maybe it's pretty good it's pretty good i like it more than uh than the walking dead i i always have well that's a low bar <laughs> yeah uh and uh also uh, as far as movies go has been re-watching the original Spider-Man movies with oh, my husband. The Garfield ones. The Gar- well, we'll get to Garfield. Oh, you're getting to soon. those? Well, oh, we, yeah. we want to watch them all because at the end of this year is the Spider-Man team-up movie. That's, right. That's all, all been said to be that. So uh, that's kind of it. And, and America's going back to the movies. So I'm, I'm very excited that like uh, this Friday, I'm, we're seeing Fast 9. Ooh. We're seeing it. Been the, right down the street at the, uh, the ugly-ass movie theater theater so it didn't close forever it's reopened believe it or not bob yeah no i think all the berkeley ones are are back open or uh, well what two of the three but yeah and then uh, a couple weeks after that we've already bought our tickets for black widow Mm. as our marvel assignment (laughs) your marvel (laughs) prescription just came in uh same with you know i'm watching that loki show it's it's actually been my favorite of the three disney plus shows it's funny and it has like comedy people like three episodes in a row i've gone hey i've heard that person on a podcast over and over again i get that from watching disney cartoons yes yeah no i that's something in invincible as well jason Minzukis is a major voice in it and every time i hear it i'm like man is he just he just he's fully stealing jason everybody's voice roles jason yeah. manzuki's yeah. just his voice is too funny it's too good like well what this is bonkers uh and uh, finally i do want to say that i uh, me and my husband did an early birthday trip for him uh to disneyland mm. we flew down to anaheim uh we were there for the final two days of masks and social distance and uh that had its uh, pros and cons which is in 96 degree heat wearing a mask is not very Oof. fun i felt the same way when i joined the gym for the first two weeks of june it was masks on in the gym and i was like i like i like working out but it feels like i'm being waterboarded at the same time yes, just yeah. like having a wet piece of fabric as your uh, like heart rate is pounding and it also just it was this annoying feeling of like 
tomorrow everyone will have to will can just take their masks off like disney's lands rule which i know why they have this rule it's to stop people from like shooting an employee there yeah but the rule is everyone it, you can only be unmasked if you're vaccinated but you don't have to prove you're vaccinated so you can just be unvaccinated and lie and there's no disneyland's like ah that's cool come on in which is insanity to me mm-hmm. like that's that just shows you for so many businesses like the mask and social distancing it's just theater yeah like, it's nothing yeah. but uh so heat sucked but when i got to sit in the front of the indiana jones ride with my husband and nobody else and not having to shove Ooh, in with anybody that was good. pretty great same uh, same with a whole road to ourselves on pirates i i'm into that although by the time i go it'll be i, I think i think nina and i want to go next winter yeah, when hopefully yeah. everything will be back to normal like in america at least no that and, yeah, yeah. The, unfortunately that stuff's over now so you yeah. can't uh but it uh, the reason we went was that we did want to experience the avengers campus and i even got a ticket with spider-man on it i was so happy how about the test kitchen pim uh yes the ten we went to pim's test kitchen and pim's tasting lab is pim uh i'm getting this off a of podcast the ride i know nothing about these movies is he michael douglas that is michael douglas okay yes. okay yeah, it's michael douglas's restaurant it really should be scott lang's mm. but it's the pim test tasting kitchen and test lab uh we ate the big chicken sandwich which really is just a chicken katsu with a tiny burger crust on it yeah. and i hear they're good about like uh vegan and fake meat stuff there oh, too obscenely yeah. good yeah no it's you can pretty much uh count on a vegan option at every restaurant you go to like the uh yeah the favorite foods we had were the that chicken sandwich the not so little chicken sandwich i believe is the official name mm. uh, trademark yeah we we really love the chicken and and um and fake meat and breakfast shawarma all three of those were like great the shawarma was great it's just a very tasty food like it's i know it ties into an avengers movie joke but it's also uh the mediterranean food which is just really great that americans never bothered to try before you have to go to disneyland for that some yes, americans yeah. uh and and also uh the spider-man ride look it's a is it a seven out of ten yes yes it is but it's i, I learned that uh well i'm sorry please continue i don't want to spoil oh, anything it's okay well the the spider-man ride they were very upfront in like promoting it saying we wanted a spider-man ride the whole family could enjoy which means like this is a ride for five-year-olds but also Mm. won't insult you if you're not five but yeah that's that's what it is now you might want to cut this out i don't know but are you going to talk about the web shooters well yes you because uh, my question up front is (laughs) i didn't know this when you showed them to me but i found out later is that dlc for the ride it is paid dlc okay, for the ride. Okay. yes i'm not uh, trying to shame you i just no. want to know how it works well so there's a paid dlc plastic toy one mm-hmm. but i got the not compatible with the game but fancier 70 dollar ones that look like spider-man's actual web shooters in the mcu so they, they don't work on the ride no but you can wear them on the ride okay. and still like point and flip around and and i seriously i was like a kid with a fidget spinner just pressing <laughs> it over and over and like ooh, whip 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 but the, the ride is a game yes it's uh i i don't want to spoil the ride too much right, for people right. who ride it but 
if you've written Toy Story Mania, it is in that just, genre. Toy Story Mania was fun for like the first nine rooms, but then it's like my finger hurts from yanking on this yeah. string. Well, Spider-Man will hurt your arms in different Yay, ways. Tendon yeah. damage. Yeah. Uh, but but the theming of it is really great. It's uh, I like seeing Spider. Uh, Spider-Man's my favorite character. I was very dorky when the guy in the Spider-Man costume came out. I was like, photo with Spider-Man right now. Was he allowed <laughs> to talk? He was. Okay. He was. And he was very good at doing the uh, excited Tom Holland voice. Hey, guys. Oh, I'm so happy to see you. Hashtag Spider-Man. Put it on Instagram. Did they have those spider droids you could buy, too? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't going to buy those. How much were those? Uh, also $70. Wow. Yeah. Only 70 Okay. I thought they'd be more. Uh, and also, I got to see the giant Spider-Man. Well, the life-size Spider-Man animatronic that jumps through the air. That was really cool. Uh, and yeah, it's uh, now Avengers Campus is fully open, but we were able... You can only ride the Spider-Man ride if you get the uh, the morning pass. So it is mm. like the lottery. Uh, you have two lottos to enter when you hit the parks. It um it was kind of hanging over us the night before. We're like, if we can't get into Spider-Man either day, this trip will feel like <laughs> a waste. And uh, but fortunately, first thing uh, morning of day one, we got it. So mm. yeah, it was a whole lot of fun, and it was just also awesome to go back to eat that Ronto roaster. That is one of my favorite foods in Disney. Now, now, yeah, hearing about that on Podcast the Ride too, I do want to try it. The Impossible uh, Sausage one or whatever that is. Yeah, and the breakfast Ronto was not on sale then. I hope it's back soon. There was so much that wasn't happening at Disney. But again, it was nice to get a seat all to myself on pretty much, or with my husband, on pretty much every row oh. we got in. That we were, was good. We were, I was trying to make it a tradition to go once a year. That obviously COVID got in the way of that. Yes, so yeah. hopefully <laughs> this coming February, I will be there. Uh, and well, as, as it has been said on Twitter, you have a Marvel wife. So you, it's true. you have to experience Marvel life. Marvel wife. Uh, <laughs> let's move on to Talking Simpsons comments. Uh, so yeah, let's talk about comments for Skinner's Sense of Snow. And this is from Mr. Neil, who's says the christmas that almost wasn't but then was has some serious babes in toyland slash mark to the wooden soldiers vibes to it it's a laurel and hardy vehicle where they're toy makers contracted by santa claus in between some very funny slapstick are some really excruciating songs by tom the piper's son singing to little bo peep the overarching threat are a bunch of badly costumed boogeymen who thankfully don't dance like those in the simpsons version <laughs> not parodied are the genuinely nightmare inducing mickey mouse puppet producer hal roach was good for with Walt Disney and the three little pigs whose costumes that look like they're melting. It's in the public domain, so Babes in Toyland always got a lot of play on TV and cheap VHS tapes. And I will say, I think I might have seen it on a very dreary Saturday afternoon as a kid. Yeah, I feel like I've flipped to a channel and seen a terribly colorized version of it or something. Uh, yeah. And I think my reaction was like, why is Mickey Mouse a <laughs> Mickey Mouse puppet? Why is he uh, here? I definitely would have hit the channel change button when the singing would start. Mm -hmm. That's for sure. Yeah, so... I, I think he's definitely right that it's a Babes in Toyland uh, homage in particular, especially in how musty and boring it is, yet would be called children's entertainment in George Meyer's childhood, and that's why he would have been forced to watch <laughs> that it. That poor man. <laughs> uh, so also on that episode, Batman Boy 11 said, Ontarian checking in here, I've lived in Ottawa all my life, and for my entire grade school, high school career, I was specifically out in the countryside. In peak winter, let's say those days from December to February, we'd often get a big downpour of snow every so often which would wreak havoc on the roads however since the school boards who determine when they'd cancel school bus
buses in Enactus Node was downtown, they would always have much better road conditions than out in more rural and suburban areas. And there were far too many times where they'd say it was safe enough for a regular school day, only for snow or freezing rain, to make it so that we would be anywhere from one to two hours late on top of in a being in an already minus 50 bus ride. When we actually did get snow days, they were always a blessing, and I'm glad I finished high school long before the days of Zoom. Mm. So, yeah, it sounds like a rough time in the Canadian uh, wilderness for that guy. I, I don't know even where I don't know where this was, but I remember, uh, you know, as a kid watching the school closings, I remember like one school system always closed down. That was Beaver Township. Beaver Township. And I was like, those fuckers from Beaver, they never go to school. <laughs> Mom, can we move to Beaver? I think Beaver's like in Southern in ohio i don't know why we're getting their uh updates but yeah beaver you're on my shit list i guess they probably didn't uh we're such a small town they didn't have any local news and <laughs> so they're like well then we have to cover it for beaver on this channel too yes beaver tune in for your updates <laughs> uh let's move on to itchy and scratchy and marge and joe moore says rather than taking a side on these issues i think the show's writers wanted to avoid standard story cliches about learning lessons and decided to reset to the status quo with a quote what can you do sort of shrug which reminds me of their response to criticisms about Apu in a more recent episode. I don't know why Marge just gives up when Marvin Monroe confronts her, though it's a classic false equivalency. Violence and natural depictions of nudity are two entirely different things. Why does Marge seem to agree that both things must either be right or wrong together? It's a weird turn to say the least. I suppose the end message for both episodes seems to be fight for what you believe in, but don't always expect to win. Or maybe it was just a bunch of stuff that happened. I think it ultimately becomes a bunch of stuff that happened. I definitely get see for the 1990 writers they're like uh, all these shows learn a lesson like every crappy sitcom as the characters at the end go like yeah well we learned a lesson today so i i can see that's why they so actively choose to not take a side and just go like you're fucked either way yeah yeah and it's like well we're having this conversation so isn't that fun but yeah. i think the the cable one which we recorded recently but it hasn't gone out yet the uh, the lisa versus homer and the eighth commandment that's a similar story in which it's yeah. like it's a conversation about a topic ultimately it's a bit muddy mm-hmm. what the resolution is and what the what the message is but at least though at the end of it lisa doesn't have to apologize yeah like, i'm sorry i tried to do something like poor marge has to one put up with a very false equivalency and just agree to it of like i'm sorry i tried to change anything i give up you get what you and want poor husband was hungry yeah that uh, uh he was starving <laughs> poor what do you expect him to do uh also on that episode some bloke says i never realized this until i heard the audio clip in this very podcast episode but regarding the slightly too subtle satire of the pastoral sequence i think there's a bit of a joke with lisa's bird watching in certain parts of the u.s including where i grew up Grackles are everywhere. It's like you, being excited you saw a pigeon. And yeah, where I grew up there uh, in Atlanta or in the suburb of Atlanta, Marietta, we had grackles everywhere. Mm. I was sick of seeing grackles. You know what? I did not grow up around grackles. There are no grackles here. But when I went to Texas to see Epic Mickey 2, The Power of Two, <laughs> I'm sorry, I think it's Disney Epic Mickey 2, The Power uh, of Two, yes, that's right, the game me. that closed down that studio. Uh, I was in Texas, Austin for the first and only time in my life, and I saw lots of grackles, and I was excited about grackles. I'm like, what are these amazing black birds? I love them. Then I found out, like, oh, those are trash birds. Yeah, it's like, they're... no, they're so cute. We look down on grackles here. Yeah, no, in the, in the South, 
Well, because I remember the first time as a kid, I said, oh, it's a crow. And my mom's like, no, 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 that's a grackle. They have beady eyes. <laughs> you know what? I, I like seeing pigeons. They're cute. People will give them a hard time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I'm, you know, I'm actually kind of glad, though, how few pigeons I see now. I remember I would stay, uh, I would be picked up every morning for the work shuttle at, at the uh, old job I had 10 years ago. And there would be BART sta- station pigeons there all the time. And I would just get sad of like, oh, that one ain't got a foot or that one is in clearly in pain they can like, uh, get by with only one foot sure, i've seen lots sure. of peg leg pigeons walking around <laughs> they, they seem to be fine you're right yeah up next we have homer season 12 homer h-o-m-r and brian field says as for dr joyce brothers i think the joke might have been that psychologists of her day did not like the idea of pop psychology dr brothers made psychology mainstream for much of america but the profession had mixed opinions on this change so homer saying that her credentials are highly suspect is him taking the side of academic psychologists like an overeducated blowhard might in a conversation mm. her degrees were from cornell and columbia so i don't know what else he wants and lisa this is bob mm. speaking and lisa is also guilty yeah he's right yeah she shouldn't what, have agreed is what she with says that. yeah yeah that that's just lisa is too into credentialism which like yeah well, cornell yeah. and columbia that's yeah i i don't get that i mean well that also goes back to the issue with that episode of like so wait is homer perfect by being smart or is he a smug asshole yeah you know? more people should have said to homer like lisa's excitement at his brains she should have said at some point like well also dad a danger of being smart is that you become a smug dick like don't be well, that way if they had time to explore that plot for more than eight minutes then uh, they might have done yeah. more with it and then what are they gonna not have the animation side <laughs> plot for the all of act one <laughs> uh so uh also on homer purple comet says i worked at sears after college for a year in the early aughts and they pushed the extended warranties hard we earned a higher commission off of sales when customers bought an extended warranty. 8% versus 1 to 5 depending on the item. These sales were heavily tracked, and if you weren't hitting your goals, it was a conversation. If I couldn't sell an extended warranty, my manager instructed me to call him over, and he would try to sell to them until the customer gave him a hard no, or they looked like they were on the verge of leaving without buying anything. Mm. Uh, that's the worst. I mean, yeah. this is why the i don't think sears is dead but this is why these places died like this money grubbingness of it and the commission thing it was rare when i was a working young adult like in the early 2000s it can't exist anymore because Mm. um when i worked at a video game store uh commissions did exist a few years before i worked there but now uh, at that point my boss was like your commission is you get to keep your job it's like oh wow 5.25 an hour thank you sir (laughs) uh well you know commissions i guess exists for affiliate links in uh, podcasts yeah. i suppose but yeah it's uh yeah you know i didn't work at a job that had commissions like that but when i worked at uh blockbuster video it was one of those things of uh hey did you sign somebody up for the game pass or try yeah. to upsell them this you can never don't just let someone leave with a video and as somebody, we're losing money over here <laughs> i know well i mean they were they no were fun, yeah, oh but, yeah they were but i could have sold eight million of those and that company would still be in the ground today yeah. so so, uh, I mean, that also, you know, I have a lot of, especially then, uh, anxiety of talking to strangers. And I really just wanted to stick to selling them movies because that's why I worked at a Blockbuster. And just the pressure from my bosses of like, no, 
talk to uh the worst days i had to like put on an apron and walk around the store and talk to people like the so you know this game pass is pretty great like <laughs> i've heard good things days. about it the, i hated that so much because like you're walking up to somebody who's like i know i don't want to do this i know you don't want to hear this but yeah what? It was a, that was like the uh, the pivot to video for retail brick and mortar retail of the early two thousands where I remember um, going to like Best Buy or Suncoast and I I knew people who worked there and like they had to push like Entertainment Weekly subscriptions yeah, it was so yeah. demeaning it's uh, just like I'm coming here to like buy like uh, Mystery Science Theater DVD I don't want to buy a Sports Illustrated subscription mm-hmm. that's hard to cancel fuck and, you and you have to tell them like no seriously and they're like well it's like okay guy like I can admit. I'm okay with after one no, you drop it. But like, if I have to say no five times, like I'm not coming <laughs> back. Like nobody ever thinks about, uh, it never seemed like the managers ever thought about people who don't like being hard sold to don't come back to stores. I, I can tell when I'm at one of those stores and I'm talking to a manager and not like a, a lowly employee <laughs> because a manager will be much harder on you. Like I went to a GameStop when there was one nearby and it's like, okay, when you go to a GameStop at that point in history, I don't know if they exist anymore, but it's like, <laughs> yes, they're going to offer you the strategy guide they're going to offer you to pre-order something that's similar they're going to offer you the scratch guard all this stuff and the guy was like he was upfront about offering all that stuff and i was like hey listen i used to work at one of these no and he still kept pushing it i was like you have to be a manager he's like i'm gonna break this guy no i've uh especially once you've been on the other side of being like a retail cashier you know that manager energy yeah the manager is like i'm gonna show them how it's done like that oh the guys watch the managers on the cash register right now you're gonna learn a thing or two he said i couldn't sell him anything but yeah i'm glad uh i'm glad that part of my life is over and i have some sympathy for people who are forced into those positions because i had to do that so so much sympathy yes yeah uh moving on to bark it's hit by a car uh david giza says and i clipped his uh i clipped his comment a little bit but I did uh, leave in the last half, which I want to read. But up front, David is a real life lawyer. So this is a real life lawyer advice based on this episode. So David goes on to say, I think Hutz could object on competency grounds. Is Marge qualified to opine on the quality of Dr. Nick's knowledge, testimony, or opinion? I would argue no. She's a layperson, and what does she know about medicine? Burns could call his own medical expert to impugn Nick's testimony, but I'm not convinced Marge's comments about Nick's character could get at the quality of his statements or opinion. Now, could her testimony be used to impugn Nick's credibility? Not sure. Courts don't like it when parties call character witnesses to say he gives off an untrustworthy vibe. That just opens the door to a lot of he said, she said bickering, but maybe this would hold up. In sum, as we knew from the outset, Hutz is a bad lawyer. He probably could have made some colorable argument that Marge's testimony be stricken or ignored. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good good point from Giza there. But though also it's like, well, I Nick Riviera will uh, if if Marge didn't say it, they just call in an expert written witness to be like, Nick Riviera is a liar. Like yeah. just did and your the case falls apart at that point anyway. <laughs> Uh, but oh, yes, thank you to David for the actual lawyer advice. I really appreciated that real life lawyer insights. Uh, also on that episode, Joe Hodgson uh, says, I think the writers just found the easiest way out of giving the Simpsons too much money. I think if this story were tackled in later seasons, maybe they would win and the final act isn't a smarmy mar- makeup junk with Homer and Marge. And instead we see how quickly Homer manages to piss all away and in, uh, in an amusing manner. This ending instead feels very season one ish and almost ruins the episode. 
This is one I always enjoy right up until the last act. I guess we need to see Homer deal with the real feelings he'd have over his wife costing him a million bucks since he isn't written stupid enough at this point to get over it easily with a big sandwich or case of beer. If they had just shown Homer being angry and left it at that, it probably would have been fine. And my note on this was I thought of a similar style of uh, problem for Homer in a similar uh, kind of ending, which went a different direction, <laughs> in which he loses a lot of money and there's a big tortured scene about, you know, uh, Marge, do I love her? She cost me all this money. I was thinking of the episode The Old Man and Lisa when Lisa tears up, burns his check, and Homer falls over. <laughs> cut to the hospital where he finds out how much money she actually tore up, and then he has a heart attack, and it's yeah. over. See, it's code blue. Homer yeah. is dead. Like, yeah, I. That's uh, that's a better gag of just Homer. You know, he, it's not about emotions. It's just about shock. Like, yes. you know, it's shock value. <laughs> Yeah, I, I just listening back to that, I really love Chrisman's point of Homer. He's like, well, no, Homer's just drunk. He's just like yeah. drunk enough now to go like, I love you, baby. My hey. love for you will never die, beer. <laughs> That's really what happens. I, yeah, they, Brooks really wanted to just deal with, you know, the too much reality in it. He, mm -hmm. he was just like, no, let's, let's see what would really happen to a marriage if this happens. It's like, eh. We don't have time. Yeah, we don't, don't have, have animation time. for this. <laughs> yeah. And also Lionel Hutz is funny. You're taking words yeah. out of Lionel Hutz's mouth with this with this uh lovey-dovey stuff Not enough screen time for him uh moving on to comments for what a cartoon yes we're talking about cool world i thought i was done with it oh god Been talking about cool world since april but we have to talk about comments from cool world uh, the podcast about it so chris dobson says I think y'all are referring to the son of Sam laws when you're talking about Gabriel Byrne making money while in prison. He clearly still has a job and has been putting out these comics. Son of Sam laws just keep you from profiting off your crime. Not any income at all, as prisoners do earn income below minimum wage if they work at the prison. Also, shortly before the movie came out, son of Sam laws were found unconstitutional, uh, and the big case was the autobiography Goodfellas was based on, but there are still modified versions that require notifying the victim's family in most states. No rule stops you from writing bizarre comics about a horny cartoon character while in prison though at least not yet <laughs> that's uh, i still don't think he'd be <laughs> no prison in america would let him have a, a drawing table yeah. in his uh in his jail cell. in a sharp pen yeah in a sharp pen also by himself like he just has an apartment in the in the jail cell it's too nice and this is for a murderer like a killer like who got 10 years it definitely is a very uh different view of uh cr crime in the criminal justice it goes system. very unexplained yes. any part of his life like most things yes. as, as we found out uh, also Boyd Atkins the force says about that episode every time you guys mention Holly dancing on screen I just hear the sea captain going yar she'll be dancing for hours it's true and I uh, wish I thought of that joke Boyd while watching it because it, the amount of time she just appeared on the screen dancing uh, like stop dancing her little stupid conga line yeah, I'm so done be, I'm so glad to be done with this movie I feel it was a real accomplishment that we did a huge podcast on the movie I read like the comic book to mm -hmm. see how it was different nobody uh, put this much work into a cool world podcast nobody cared that much nobody would read the comics to tell you that like well here's what changed well here you can yeah. map out what the original script was I, based on this comic i will pat myself on the back for that podcast mm, as yes, annoyingly yeah. as, it, as it may sound to you <laughs> and you you had to see all that horny holly stuff uh, like too much horniness for one man it stunk it stunk <laughs> uh so up next we have der Fuhrer's face the classic donald duck propaganda cartoon and uh, grant baxter says 
I thought a lot about how decades of pop culture we've had Nazis as these Saturday morning style cartoon supervillains like Indiana Jones are casually being the butt of jokes like in Family Guy, like you guys mentioned. And I think it's really a key part of desensitizing the general public into not recognizing actual modern day Nazis and fascists because so many pop culture depictions of Nazis are so cartoonish. When you make jokes about fascists that aren't about their ideology and could just be substituted with an attempt at a comedic insult that could be attributed to anyone, like their physical appearance or making up silly things they can do, it might make people lose sight of why that person is actually awful to begin with and can be used as referenced by obnoxious centrists who you claim you're just making fun of them because you don't like them. It's why I absolutely loathe things like all the SNL Trump stuff because it really felt like it let people taking Trump less seriously as a threat. Oh yeah. Yes, and yeah. that's true because um, anecdotal evidence, I know it's true, but when I was teaching um, writing classes, uh, that is when Tina Fey was playing Sarah Palin on SNL, right? And it yeah, was a very yeah, funny character. Yeah. But like when I would talk to my students about it they didn't really understand the fact that like no she's making fun of sarah palin like <laughs> these were most some of the kids were bright this is a mostly bright class but they didn't know that it's like oh yeah sarah palin's a fun character and i think and i think it wasn't his fault it's not it, he wasn't setting out to this but i think will ferrell humanized george w bush in a huge way like absolutely he's a fun character and i want to see more of him that's exactly what happened to trump Except they the, just had Trump on the show. The official George W. Bush podcast is called Strategery. It was like it was. I mean, yeah, they uh, and I, I do think Will Ferrell is at least, you know, or he's, he was uh, friends and co-producers on things with Adam McKay. And I do think he realized like, shit, I made him look too nice or I made him the fun, drunk idiot instead of like this, you know, war criminal monster. And it's how that is how. Well, America wants to forgive every president anyway, no matter what. And so uh, we all could have predicted W would be dancing with Ellen. Yeah. But, but just to see it happen that fast, part of it is like the defanging of him. But but yeah, when it comes to Nazis, like for our generation, they were just like, I probably saw my first Nazi in Indiana Jones. And yeah, not that Indiana Jones make Nazis look, you know, good or anything, but but they are just like, this is a costume. They are equal to stormtroopers. I don't know their ideology. They're just, they're the bad guys and Indiana Jones is a good guy. And in video games, I remember it was like a common thing to say about uh, first person shooters in the 2000s. Like, oh, another Nazi shooter game. I'm so sick of these. Now mm. when you see a swastika, it is genuinely shocking. And they used yeah. to be like all over every video game where you killed Nazis. Oh God, there were so many toys like because uh, as a kid growing up reading Marvel comics, like the Red Skull is, uh, right. uh, he's a Nazi and he would just walk around with like a giant swastika on his chest and it would be in, in the comics in the cartoons like that's uh how settled nazism felt in our childhoods as well uh which less so now and i do think that part of it uh, unintentionally from all these media makers did defang it a lot like it makes it independent from what the ideology was yeah uh, which... i mean it's our next uh episode in the comment section but capital critters had a swastika in the episode exactly, we watched just yeah. like what the hell <laughs> uh also on that episode of of what a cartoon Lauren Bernson says, so the U.S. fought against Nazi Germany so its citizens wouldn't have to work themselves to death, slavishly salute a flag, or deal with obsessive members of an insane cult. Gee, I'm so glad none of those awful things are happening out here in 2021. Absolutely not. Yeah, no, I look, don't think about it too much, guys. <laughs> I, 
yeah, I, uh, I, I saw some other folks say like, yeah, well, how harsh do you want this to be? Like it's, it, it was for a mainstream audience and it's, uh, it was about our enemies in war and it didn't make them look good, but mm-hmm. it made, and part of the point of it for Disney was to mock a scary enemy and to make them seem less scary. It did know? have so- some bias. Oh, sure. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, you know, for most Americans back then too, I think it was harder for them to justify uh, mentally fighting a white enemy as opposed to the Japanese. Yeah. Much know? easier to turn into like creatures when yeah. you're making a cartoon. Uh, but uh, but in general, I really liked all his comments. It was, uh, you know, it was such a touchy subject dealing yes. with World War II. It's also why like I just uh, make about 15 minutes of that just the timeline of the of world war ii in the simplest of ways just because i didn't want to miss anything or leave out context but I, i'm glad folks enjoyed that one mm-hmm. uh so moving on to capital critters Ugh. hat and mouse like cool world this uh made me upset it kind of yes. made me a little sick uh, at least it was shorter yes. at least yeah Ugh. and it wasn't horny I, <laughs> I say never release it on any format just leave it in credit youtube rips for the rest of time <laughs> it's what it deserves yes. yeah uh kaiser beam says returning this a few days ago was a frustrating experience the dissonance between the pretty good animation and the c-tier sitcom jokes made this a chore to sit through mixing some of the standard end of history politics that could have come out of rich white hollywood centrist boomers in the 90s and you got yourself a series that only gets more rotten with age and yet part of me feels like the show was made now would be 10 times worse it would be louder uglier crasser more stiffly drawn and animated it would just replace the 90s centrism with seth mcfarland style liberal posturing about how offensive jokes are actually progressive i mean yeah if capital critters happened now it would just look like the 800 shows that either look like a seth mcfarland show yeah uh justin roiland show or a uh bob's burgers show it would it would look like one of those three things and characters would say so uh, that happened yeah. uh is this like one of those things from that and like, i mean i like I, I don't like how capital critters look but i like how it looks different than uh other 90s cartoons <laughs> it looks incredibly dated <laughs> would you rather watch another episode of capital critters or lil bush oh Oh, God. I, I honestly think Lil Bush might have better writing. It has <laughs> a Simpsons does, writer yeah. as the creator. Yeah, I think it actually does have better but writing. But it's still not no. something I ever want to see, but... No. Putting, yeah. Put up against Capital Critters, Little Bush by far. You know, I realize I'm talking ourselves into being forced to do a Little Bush episode nah. now, but yeah. What a great time to make a Bush cartoon <laughs> in like 2007 or whatever. Uh, so uh, Christmas Ape, also on Capital Critters, said, The thing I find most fascinating about these early attempts to ape The Simpsons is how no one seemed to understand what made that show work. Both Capital Critters and Fish Police relied on high concepts and references to adult subject matter, but couldn't be bothered to write real jokes or come up with likable characters had these shows just been the product of saturday morning cartoon lifers who are out of their element that would be somewhat understandable but as you pointed out there are veteran tv people behind capital capital critters <laughs> which makes it even more embarrassing yeah. yeah you do feel how patronizing the show is and that these people these tv veterans like how hard can this be i know that simpsons I, crap is a fluke i could write three jokes and rub uh, them together and make I these dumb mice the dance around dumb kids just like a drawing they yeah. don't care yeah no i mean well i i bitched about it so much on the podcast but 
Nat Molden comes off so bad in those interviews <laughs> from 1992. Like he comes off as a real jerk complaining about all the realities of making a cartoon show when he really should just be, you know, respectful and saying, oh, I don't know how to do this. Yes, like, I'm out of my element. Not like you do what I say, yeah. even though I know nothing about this medium. All of you ruined this for me. Yeah, it, it was also funny to see from so many people on Twitter when we tweeted out, promotion for that episode of people saying like this show is real yeah what is this like if if you didn't live through 92 and the marketing blitz that briefly happened for capital critters you would never believe it existed yeah it's, yeah. it's just that lame i i hope you guys also on that episode really appreciate it i pulled up the the clip of all of the abc stars having to promote the show oh, like I have to oh listen to that. there's a mouse in the house eek oh it's my, the mice are here look balky <laughs> that show's gonna kill us uh and they, it, the last cl scene of it was tony danza saying to camera i'll show that mouse who's boss like gets oh. up. Yeah. so we found out who the boss was it was yeah. the damn capital critters <laughs> i don't like that ending for who's the boss no. uh moving on to our final set of comments for sailor moon r mirror mirror we talked about the very canadian deke dub that we all fell in love with in the 90s and batman boy 11 says it's strange how unavailable this show is in canada anyway since there's no legal way to rent or stream this episode dubbed or subbed i'd be curious to check out more of it after these two what a cartoon episodes but with hulu unavailable here i guess i'd have to hunt down some discs and i only included this comment to let Batman Boy 11 know and all of our listeners in Canada know it's available on Crave. Crave? Yes, what? the streaming network Crave. You know, okay. when I go to Canada, I have to kiss a lot of my streaming networks goodbye. No Hulu, <laughs> no HBO Max. Uh, Nina's worth it. See, Some women would yeah. not be. <laughs> uh, well, this sounds like uh, the start of an ad for a VPN service. All right. Yeah, uh, no. Nord, where are you? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's you know, that makes it kind of impressive that Disney Plus, uh, through the power of how much money Disney has, are like, nope, all, uh, the, all borders are meaningless us. we'll just put it on everything yeah disney's like uh crunchy roll and funimation they're like uh we're we're, we're a global audience and i wonder what's gonna happen with crunchy roll they just got bought by sony who mm. bought funimation so it's like well when... i know they spent a ton of money on an animation studio which made nothing yeah that just yeah. came out i just read a whole thing about how like wait they never put these out and then uh god there's there's that one show that the angry anime fans pre-canceled and it's like Crunchyroll was like, oh, right. people, people hate that this is an SJW show, so we're not going to put it out, which like that seems pretty shitty to do. Real, real, uh, real brave of you guys, yeah. Crunchyroll. Like then don't fucking OK a show. Yeah. Then. How far along yeah. does it have to go before yeah. you shut it down? <laughs> Jonathan also says about Sailor Moon, I have a real soft spot for the Deke adaptation of Sailor Moon. It's a show that I enjoyed mostly in isolation as I had only one other friend who I knew watched it. It, though i bet more did, did that wouldn't admit it considering the severe time constraints i think the actors did a very admirable job some lines come out pretty silly or with a strange delivery but it's remarkably cohesive mm -hmm. yeah you, you're telling me their timeline yeah. it's like I'm, I'm i'm surprised it's as good as it is uh no it's uh, to learn that from that guy's book about how the main reason the original Sailor Moon left was she was taking too long to do multiple takes to do it right. When huh. he's like, no, you can you get two takes. Let's get done with this. Like, yeah. Uh, and, and I also like seeing all the comments 
of people, uh, multiple Canadians weighing in of like, well, it just sounds normal to me. Yeah. Like, you guys, what do you mean eh? about this? Sorry. <laughs> yes. And I don't think my wife has a Canadian accent. Somebody said that in the comments. That was surprising to see. I, yeah. I don't think she does. At yeah. least not the Toronto uh, accent or whatever the hell they're doing in Sailor Moon. Sure. Yes. Yeah. That's uh, we're, we're so used to. That's what also is so interesting to me that it is the Toronto accents, not the Vancouver accents. We're used to in all of the ocean dubs we True. watched in our childhood. Not, not the Alberta accents. Those are happening somewhere. <laughs> uh, one thing I want to mention that I totally forgot about, I did not include in these notes, is that uh, one thing happened this month, a surprising find happened, and that Sammy has been recovered. Oh, yes, that the, did happen. The David Spade animated sitcom Sammy from the year 2000s, two episode aired, two are now available on YouTube. Oh, Somebody, amazing. some some magical wizard put them online. You know what? I still have not seen them. Uh, but I'm just happy that that can now like reproduce. Everyone can just grab the Sammys online while they can. Sammy is not lost. That's so great that, that I, somebody I actually, got it on there. I watched like a minute or two of each one. It's just like, David Spade is doing the same voice from two of these characters? Yes. That, that's weird. <laughs> Master of voices, David Spade. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, and, but once you see those two, then it'll just make you more frustrated of like, there's 11 others mm-hmm. that aren't there. Like, you you know they produced 13. I mean, I don't know this for a fact, but the order would have, for a network order, would have been 13 episodes. You if know? we're ever in LA, which will happen again in the future, and we're in David Spade's neck of the woods, if we see him like coming out <laughs> of a bar, just scream like, Sammy! Sammy! Where Sammy uh, you know he probably wouldn't talk to us because we're not women it's true well, only uh, if we had a we need to have one female friend with us under like, 30 yeah under 30 yeah like okay talk to David Spade and then we and say <laughs> hey do you have that show Sammy and then run away and run away once he hands you the tapes get the hell out of there <laughs> Uh, but yes, wow, maybe someday yes. we'll talk about old Sammy. It could be. Someone could pay us to do it. Uh, sure. <laughs> I, out of curiosity, maybe I'll be desperate enough to watch Sammy, but who knows. But yes, that's been another episode of Talk to the Audience. Remember, once again, July kicks off our new What a Cartoon schedule in that the first and third week will be new episodes. Second week will be Talking Futurama for patrons. And the last week will be our What a Cartoon movie. You get the preview if you're on the $5 and up level and if you're on the free feed, of course. And you get the whole thing if you're on the $10 level. And we're talking about The Hunchback of Notre Dame and a can't wait to do it for its mm. 25th anniversary and don't forget at the uh, start of the month if you're a patron starting on the first to the seventh vote in the next poll it'll either be the little mermaid beauty and the beast lion king or pocahontas mm-hmm. it's up to you to pick so please be sure to vote when that goes live thank you so much for listening folks we'll see you next month for another episode of talk to the audience and we'll see you then infotainment.